It's Thursday, February 1st. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And I'm Juanita Tolliver, and this is What A Day, the podcast that won't make the mistake of asking how everyone is doing. Yes, unlike Elmo, we know the vibes are bad out there. We don't need to ask. Yeah, clearly everyone's dialed into everything happening in the world today, but my favorite response to Elmo was, Elmo. I'm broke, bruh. Like, period. That's it. Elmo has not left Sesame Street for a while, and it shows. Right, right. Come on. On today's show, the CEOs of several major tech companies went before the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday, and it was tense. Plus, President Joe Biden is in Dearborn, Michigan today, but some residents aren't exactly greeting him with open arms. But first, we're kicking off Black History Month with an historic primary in South Carolina on Saturday, February 3rd, the first official Democratic primary of 2024. Yes, we know New Hampshire had a fit when they lost the top spot, but we're not really mad about this move. No, we are not. So remind us what prompted this shift in the Democratic primary calendar. Well, after Black voters in South Carolina effectively resurrected President Biden's 2020 campaign, Biden and the Democratic National Committee thought it was high time to prioritize more diverse states, recognize the voting power of black voters earlier in the primary process, and shift the early primary focus away from states like Iowa and New Hampshire, which are both about 90% white. Yep, it felt like an overdue change and one that is (laughs) exciting to see. (laughs) Now, going into 2024, it's no secret that Biden has seen a decline in support among black voters in early polls, including a 36 point drop, according to a recent AP poll. So this early primary date is another opportunity for the Biden-Harris campaign to invest in voter engagement and mobilization efforts in South Carolina and make a broad appeal to black voters nationally. This primary is going to be a good preview of how enthusiastic or unenthusiastic black voters are feeling about Biden. I caught up with Jamie Harrison, chair of the Democratic National Committee and former chair of the South Carolina Democratic Party. I started by asking him about the importance of South Carolina's February 3rd Democratic primary this election cycle, both for him personally, as he's a South Carolina native, and for the Democratic Party as a whole. Take a listen. It is my home state, my beloved home state. But this was a state where 40 percent of enslaved people came to this country through the Port of Charleston. It's a state where National Geographic had this statistic that said 90% of black folks in this country can find and trace one ancestor back to South Carolina. And so now this state, you know, the state where people were brought in shackles who picked cotton, now are going to be the very first people to pick presidents. That's a big deal. That's a big transformation. And so for folks who've been relegated to the back of the bus, like my grandparents for so long who were voteless and voiceless, are now driving the bus. And so we're going to start hearing about the issues that are impacting the black community. Issues like support for our historically black colleges and universities, support for our black farmers, tackling issues like the black infant mortality rate or how the disproportionate impact that diseases like diabetes have on the African-American community. And so that's a big deal to be able to shape those policies, to get commitments from folks who are running for president so that we can see more progress within the black community. And what does a successful primary look like on Saturday? What are you hoping to see in South Carolina? Well, we're already seeing tremendous success. When we change this primary calendar, for the first time ever, three of the four early states will be chaired by black women. Oh, come on. Name it. Yes. Think about that. (laughs) In South Carolina, our state party chair, Crystal Spade, is the first black woman. 
So I want folks to understand that this is one of those glass ceiling breaking moments. And it happened because of Joe Biden. No other president ever tackled this issue of fundamentally changing the order of these primary states. The president, the vice president, the first lady or the second gentleman have been in South Carolina every week this month. So it's bringing a lot of energy. People are trying to figure out now what it means to be first in the nation. And it just lays the foundation for doing things even bigger and better in South Carolina moving forward. I definitely agree with that. Look forward because this also means more investment in political infrastructure in the state, more attention from national press and energy. So I agree with you on that point. I also appreciate you emphasizing a lot of the issues that are rising to the top with South Carolina and black voters front of mind because... It's no secret there's been a decline in support among black voters for President Biden since the 2020 election. Is there anything that you specifically attribute that trend to? I don't put a whole lot in polls. And I think one of the things this president understands is he's not going to take anybody for granted. He understands he has to work for the support. Right. And when you think about what he has been able to do and the impact that it's had on the black community, I think, one, we got to make sure that the story is out there, that people are actually getting I mean, from the very first moment that he became president of the United States, think about the American Rescue Plan. Put shots in people's arms, actually put money in people's pockets. Many, you know, people talk about the STEMI. Well, let me tell you, it was Joe Biden that got the $1,400. And for those of us who had kids, you got an extra bonus for each one of your kids. This was a president that was the first president to tackle the issue of student loan debt. It's been a big issue in South Carolina. This weekend, I was at the Pink Ice Gala, and a young woman came up to me and told me, I'm riding with Joe Biden. I said, why? Tell me more. She said, because $100,000 of my student loan debt, gone. Wow. Done. Wow. That is transformational. I can tell you one of the biggest applause lines in South Carolina is going around uh, when the president says that we have capped the cost of insulin at $35 a month. So many black folks in South Carolina are either diabetic, pre-diabetic, or know somebody in their family that's diabetic. And the cost of insulin has been a huge weight on so many families. But now that has been lifted because of this president. It's been talked about for forever, but it was this president who actually got it done. How is this message being spread in a way that actually is resonating with individuals at the state and local levels? Well, started at the end of last year, the Biden campaign started pumping out more resources going to communication specifically to our communities of color. What you will see over the course of the next few days and weeks is this Democratic Party led by this president going around the country, letting people know what we have done how we have done it, despite no help from many of the Republicans, and also what we intend to do in the next four years. I think that's really, really important. It's also important for us to paint the contrast with the disaster that is on the horizon with Donald Trump. Donald Trump thinks our best days are behind us, but we, under Joe Biden, know our best days are ahead of us. And that's what we have to make sure that we give people hope so that they know that we are fighting for a better future for them and their families and their communities. And you mentioned 
the president was on the ground in South Carolina. He's going to be across the country. But I understand why he was addressing the South Carolina Democratic Party a few days ago. There were a few protesters who stood up to call for a ceasefire in Gaza, similar to what we've seen at a number of Biden-Harris campaign events lately. So what role do you expect the war in Gaza to play in 2024, especially when it comes to youth voters who have been a key demographic of voters for the Democratic Party? Well, you know, the president's very aware and respects the right of folks to protest. I mean, that's a fundamental right in this country, part of what makes America, America. But in the end of the day, this president's going to just do what he believes is the right thing to do. I mean, I often say the president has exposure to information that most of us will never know. I know that this president has a big heart. I know that he always wants to do the right thing. And I trust him to do that. Unlike the other guy, who we know, who believes that, you know, day one, he wants to be a dictator. So, uh, you know, folks have to understand this is going to be a contrast. And the question is, where are we going to stand? It's clear that this reelection campaign is going to be an all hands on deck type of campaign, as there have been reports of a powerhouse fundraiser that would feature potentially former President Clinton, former President Obama and President Biden. It's like a Democratic Marvel movie moment, right? Like Avengers Assemble. Avengers Assemble. Like, what's the intention here? Why are Democrats planning such a blockbuster fundraiser so early in the cycle as well? Well, listen, the political junkie in me is just like, I got goosebumps. (laughs) To be there with three of our superstars in our party, and I'm sure we'll be joined by others as well. Uh, So I'm really, really excited about it. I'm excited about the energy that it's going to bring early on into this campaign. And it is all hands on deck because people have to understand what is at stake. We have a man in Donald Trump who does not believe in the constitution of this country. Uh, So no hand wringing. As I tell folks all the time, if you woe is me hand wringing and this and that, take all that energy and transfer that to picking up a phone, make some phone calls, knock on some doors, get some people registered, take your family members to the polls, turn that energy into how you help elect somebody from the bottom of the ballot to the top of the ballot so that we can transform this nation. That was my conversation with DNC chair Jamie Harrison, and he couldn't stress that call to action enough. So if y'all are pressed about 2024, then you can get involved today by visiting votesaveamerica.com. Channel that energy right now. That's the latest for now. We'll be back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore's performance wear clothes are designed to look great no matter what you're doing, both in and out of the gym. And they might be the most comfortable pants I've ever worn in my life. Buttery soft, yes. So soft. Yes. I have on one of their cropped sweaters, and it's a staple now. I don't think I'll be taking it off until next week. But don't judge me. (laughs) I won't judge you. And don't judge me for not working out, but wearing comfortable workout clothes. That is, I feel like, required. That's part of the beauty of Viore. On the couch, in the gym, it still works. I look like I work out (laughs) and like I dress cute when I work out. But in fact, I don't do either. And this is just me dressing normally. 
and comfortably. That's the flex, though, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. So for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash wad. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash wad and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. Like many of us, you probably tend to set really big goals for the coming year, but sometimes the simplest changes are the most impactful. Take OneSkin's two-step approach to healthier skin, for example. OneSkin products are powered by a scientifically proven peptide called OS1 that targets lines and wrinkles right where they start, your cells. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. It also keeps it feeling incredible. I recently started using their OS1 body topical supplement. It is so lovely. It is so dry in New York after shower with like the radiators going, all of it. I've been feeling great. My skin is not dry, no dark skin, no cracking, no peeling, nothing. We're fantastic. We love to hear it, especially in this chaotic weather moment. Yes. So get started today with 15% off using code WAD at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code WAD. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. We're big fans of therapy on here, on the show. We absolutely are. Yeah. We absolutely are because, listen, you're going to need it, okay, to mm-hmm. get through this year ahead of us. And so why not check out BetterHelp to give you the the necessary coping tools, you know what I mean, just to be able to keep on keeping on, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Starting with an update on the Senate hearing into online child safety, the CEOs of several major tech companies went before the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday, and the tense hearing went on for four hours. Mm. Senators did not hold back in their questioning. Family members of victims were in the audience, and some held up photos of children who they lost to suicide. Some of the family members cheered as senators grilled the CEOs. At one point, Senator Lindsey Graham said that companies had blood on their hands. But one of the more memorable moments came when Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg said sorry to the families of the victims. It happened when Republican Senator Josh Hawley pressured Zuckerberg to apologize. Take a close listen here. Uh, let me ask said. you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I've would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I, 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 I'm sorry for everything that you've all through, knowing that I have to go through the things that your families have, have suffered. 
It's a little hard to hear, but what Zuckerberg says is, quote, I'm sorry for everything you have all been through. No one should go through the things your families have suffered. He then added that Meta will keep investing in industry-wide efforts to make it safer for kids to be online. Yeah, I feel like this apology was clearly not something I predicted would happen, but it's absolutely welcomed clearly by those families. But I also got to say, y'all, Folks like Lindsey Graham and Josh Hawley are not good people. So no, while they, they did a decent job of asking appropriate, important questions, look at their whole record. Yeah. Period. Broken clocks is all right. I will say right. about that one. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis and Special Prosecutor Nathan Wade have been subpoenaed to testify at a hearing over whether or not the two can be disqualified from the election interference case against former President Donald Trump. We've talked on the show before about the drama with Willis and Wade over the past few weeks. Michael Roman, one of Trump's co-defendants, alleged that the two were romantically involved and that Willis violated ethics rules by assigning Wade to the case against the former president. Roman provided little to no proof other than some credit card statements, and Wade was set to be questioned about the alleged relationship yesterday during a hearing for his divorce case with his estranged wife. But Wade settled the case temporarily on Tuesday, canceling the hearing. The subpoenas don't necessarily mean that Willis and Wade will have to take the stand. They may fight the order so they don't have to testify at a hearing over the misconduct allegations on February 15th. But for what it's worth, legal experts think it's unlikely that Willis and Wade will actually be disqualified from the Trump case over these claims. Look, the claims are salacious. The claims are not good. But they are a distraction from the reality that Trump called the Georgia Secretary of State and asked him to overturn the will of the voters and find 11,780 votes. And so I don't want us to lose sight of what this is all about. No, no, we should not. And now to the campaign trail. President Joe Biden is planning to visit Dearborn, Michigan today. He is there to meet with United Auto Workers members after the union endorsed his reelection bid last week. Michigan is also home to one of the nation's largest Muslim and Arab American populations. Many residents in the city have called on him to endorse a ceasefire in Gaza. And some Michigan Arabs and Muslims have even launched a campaign against President Biden, though they also oppose Donald Trump. Dearborn Mayor Abdullah Hamoud and other Arab American elected officials turned down a meeting with the president's campaign last week. Here is what Mayor Hamoud told PBS's NewsHour when asked why he declined to meet with Biden's campaign manager. We chose to decline because I don't think this is the moment that calls for electoral politics. Come on. You know, Palestinian lives should not be measured in polls. For us, this is a moment for our concerns to be heard, listened to, and for us to draft a new course together in terms of changing the direction of what's happening overseas. I just also have to add that Democrats absolutely need to develop a reasonable, humane response to the issues being laid out right now. A thousand percent. These are very real, very valid concerns that are held by a lot of people who want to see answers. And this is a way to hold elected officials accountable for the answers that people want to see. Back in 2020, Michigan's Arab and Muslim community overwhelmingly supported Biden, and he won Michigan by 154,000 votes. So he is going to need this community's support this time around as well. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the White House announced yesterday that President Biden is set to visit East Palestine, Ohio, later this month. The visit comes one year after the Norfolk Southern train derailment released toxic chemicals into the community. The White House says that the president will meet with residents who were impacted by the train derailment and discuss federal support to the community. It is not yet clear when he will visit, but we will keep you updated. 
In another blow to trans rights across the country, Utah's Republican Governor Spencer Cox signed a bill this week banning trans people from using the bathroom that aligns with their gender identity. The rule applies to public schools forcing trans kids to use the bathroom or locker room that aligns with their sex at birth. It also applies to government-owned buildings like state universities. Violators of the law could be charged with loitering or required to pay a fine. The only exception to the rule applies to trans people who can prove that they have had gender-affirming surgery and have had the sex on their birth certificates changed. I feel like this is just gearing up for more crazies to serve as bathroom monitors and harass LGBTQ people, right? Like, I feel like that's what this is. A lot of shit to prove to go into a bathroom. Excuse me? That's insane. It's unclear how the state plans to track and investigate reports of violations of the new law. And according to Human Rights Watch, at least 10 other states have passed similar legislation in recent months. Meanwhile, in Florida, officials will no longer allow trans folks to change the sex listed on their driver's licenses. According to a report from the 19th, the state's DMV sent out a memo last week saying that it will no longer update trans people's IDs to match their gender identity because it constitutes fraud. I mean, come on. And that trans people who try to update their documentation could be subjected to criminal or civil penalties. Yet another example of systematic harm targeting trans people and the broader LGBTQ community, because they're not going to stop here. I assure you. Absolutely. I am really just struck by just how frequently on this show we have stories like this from all over the country. That is how pervasive this is in so many places. Mm -hmm. You listen to stuff like this and you're like, this is absurd and disturbing and not okay. There are many people who share that opinion, but we need to speak up and do something because clearly there are a lot of people trying to do the opposite. And finally, a new government study shows that military personnel who were at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina during the mid-70s and 80s had a higher risk for a number of cancers than those at other bases. Federal health officials had been working on this long-awaited study into the base's contaminated drinking water, calling it one of the largest studies ever of its kind. But the people who got sick after being at Camp Lejeune in that period say that this is far overdue and have accused the Marine Corps of failing to protect their health. The base's drinking water was polluted with industrial chemicals from the early 50s to the 80s before the contamination was detected and the wells were shut down. That water had been piped into schools, barracks, houses, and the base's hospital. Just absolutely everywhere. Think about how you turn the tap on in your home and get water and use it for everything you do. That is how these people were doing it because they thought it was fine. People drank, they cooked, they bathed in that water, and the study found that personnel stationed at Camp Lejeune were at higher risk for some types of leukemia and lymphoma and cancers of the lung, breast, throat, esophagus, and thyroid. In August 2022, President Biden signed a federal law that addressed concerns of people who believed that they got sick from the base's water contamination and gave them just a two-year window to file claims. Yeah, I'm really struck by a lot of the details here. Two-year window to file claims. Even though this was going on for 30-plus years, I am also... This affected the, generations uh, at this Entire point. generations, because it's not just the veterans themselves. It's their children, grandchildren in some cases. And let's be real. Really? I was born on a Navy base. I went to school on Navy bases. Like, I understand how this can affect entire families. So they need a bigger window and more awareness building around this issue. Entire families, entire communities, and of people who do the highest service for this country. We are failing our veterans, Pierre. And those are the headlines. 
That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, get out the vote, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just tweets by Elmo like me, (laughs) what a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Juanita Tolliver. I'm Priyanka Arabindi. And And happy happy Black Black History History Month. Month. We got to turn it around for Black History Month. I feel like I need to call out whoever this person was who tweeted, oh, February is amazing. It's just hearts and love. I was like, bruh, it's Black History Month. Get yourself educated. Get it together. Everybody. Black History (laughs) Month with a side of Valentine's Day. That is a one day aside, everybody. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producer is Itzi Quintanilla. Raven Yamamoto and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. And our showrunner is Leo Duran. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.